Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Noodle Josh. My name is Josh and today we are going to noodle with the next great American writer, Jessica Hobbs. I shouldn't say next great American writer, she's always been a writer, she is great and American. There we go. I'm clearing that right up. Jessica Hobbs uh, is friend, neighbor, fellow Los Angelino. And has a new book out called The Witch and Other Tales of the American Gothic. It's available now at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or you can order a copy signed from her website, jessicahobbswrites.com. That's H-O-B-B-S. You can find her on Instagram, jessie.hobbs. You can find her on TikTok, jessie underscore hobbs13, because she is indeed uh, pretty superstitious. We talk about superstition a little bit. We talk about witchcraft, we talk about the power of intention and respecting witchcraft. We also talk about New Orleans, uh, somewhat naturally, as one of the many homes outside of Salem for the most powerful amount of magic that I've ever been around, personally. Jessica has had a storied career, worked a ton at and with Sundance, uh, so, uh, trust, she's going to come back on a show and talk just about that time. I have so many questions that I didn't ask because I want to know more about this book. But after working with Sundance, after being a really successful, very effective producer, she decided that, you know what, it wasn't for her. She loves it, she's good at it, she still does her project she's passionate about, but she now focuses on the true passion, making it her calling, profession, career, and I would label first a writer. Jessica Hobbs is incredible for coming on the show. For those who are new to Noodle with Josh, thank you so much for checking it out. It's an interview show in which I get to interview interesting people about their interesting lives doing interesting things. We talk about the concept of Sonder a lot in a roundabout way, how each person who exists has had their own individual life and experiences. We don't talk about that directly. That's more of a roundabout thing we do. We also have three rules to the show. Only three. The first rule. If we have to stop, if we have to pause, if we get interrupted, we take a shot. Shot of something. Of course, you can bend that for those teetotalers or those who prefer wine, weed instead. But a uh, full enough glug. That we have a moment to reset and pass the topic. Rule two. If you need to skip, it's French onion dip. We are Dean's French onion dip. We are trying to get that sponsorship, so please tell Dean of Dean's French onion dip to give us money so I can do for real ad reads on this show. It's been on since four years plus two. Six years. Ah. Still getting that Dane's money. We need that queued up. So we can get into the third rule of the show and have even more fun there. If it's your show, if it's your episode, you need to promote it. Story about you. Tell all your friends. Come on the show. Let me interview you about some aspect of your life and then tell everyone how freaking cool you are. Jessica didn't need my help doing that. She is wonderful wonderful person to talk to incredibly talented stick around to the end because it gets cut off right at a funny part but uh more than anything enjoy the show hit the theme moved out of michigan got a job in the city of sin 
White collar boy with the beard of joy Hits record and lets you in Gotta take a drink if you get interrupted Don't forget that onion dip Retreat the show so his feet can stay off the ground Sit back and relax Take the conversation to the max Josh is new then around Around Josh is new to Dean's French onion dip. Dean's French onion dip. Dean's French onion dip. Dean's French onion dip. I am incredibly excited that you came on the show today. Me too. I okay. So I gotta be totally honest. Lizzie came in and was just like, "Hey, just talking. You guys gotta set up the show. You gotta set up a recording ASAP." And I was like, "Done. Yes, I wrote on a piece of paper and everything." And then it didn't make it into my like my. It needs to be in two spots. It needs to be in my Google Calendar. It needs to be in my to doist. Do you have like a spot where? How do you organize your brain in life? Uh, yeah, I actually have three. I've got the uh, the Google Calendar, the yep. to do list, and then my day planner. The physical day planner. You still have like a written yeah. paper? Oh my god! I do. I, I do. There's so many questions that I love asking writers. That of course you're gonna roll your eyes at, like, yeah, everyone gets that. But the one that I always jump to at some point is like, do you still use a pen and paper? I have. For no one will be able to see this because it's an audio, but I have <laughs> so many notebooks. And that is a lot of notebooks. I, is that every time I start a new idea, it gets a new design and a sticker on it so I can keep the ideas <laughs> separate. Yeah, totally. No, this is for active projects. Yep. This is for freelance copywriting. Um, I've, I've got some for coursework. I've got some for poetry. I've got some for uh, new ideas that are, you know, not formulated yet. I... I was the other day I was just like oh I need to put down this idea somewhere but it's not full notebook worthy yet and then mm -hmm. I was just like what am I talking about I have so many notebooks um like on that I've got so I've worked with like writers over the years and I just get note like just open notebooks are a really fun easy present and yes. uh I was just like no no it's worth that it'll get to there yes. and then it put it in my stack and now it's my favorite notebook because I've told me it. and so it's like there's still some crazy power behind the pen and paper. It's absolutely true. I think that, I mean, looking at screens all the time, the way that we do, just constantly, a medium-sized screen, a large screen, a small screen, a very small screen, <laughs> you know, we're, we have, like, our whole day is just moving from one size screen to another. And yeah, right? <laughs> uh, it's when our eyes can only see a square in front of us, I mean, that's, that's the definition of myopic, yeah. right? It's yeah. You are only looking in a very narrow uh, view. And so moving away from that and sitting in public where people are in 3D, I mean, even if it's just your own apartment, yeah. Um, and unplugging and staring at pen and paper and actually letting the ideas kind of flow is very powerful. And it's it's different than doing it 
online. I mean, most writers type nowadays in Word True. or Google Doc or Final Draft or whatever software you're in, obviously. Yeah. But I think every writer I know still uses pen and paper. Does it start on a pen and paper for you or does it start brain quick idea on your phone and your notepad and then makes its way to paper? Usually that. Yeah. Usually okay. my phone is what is uh, most, most handy with the moment, you know, if a moment comes to me and I have to jot it down, but w brainstorming I, for me always has to happen on paper. I yeah. have to be sitting somewhere else, you know, in a coffee shop or a park or something. And I have to just be scribbling just sometimes just total train of thought or yeah. if I'm thinking, well, what would this person's job be? What would this person's family like? be what, what is this person an astrological sign that all has to be on pen and paper for me i so i've been following your instagram of course uh we'll get context into how we know each other later i think it'll come out naturally but sure. i've been following your instagram and watching your kind of writing process talking about being we're not gonna dox ourselves and tell exactly where we live but uh we we live in a very beautiful spot where you can kind of get away and and do mm -hmm. a little you know get away from the screens but i've kind of unfortunately broken and rewrote myself to the way that I have my desk set up here at the office anywhere is so specific to the way that I work quickly that mm -hmm. when I need to brainstorm and I need to go somewhere else I feel uncomfortable that I don't have a second screen and a fan blowing on me and sometimes AC and I'm like too worried about fixing that to like get creative again. I have a lot mm -hmm. of like ADHD friends that have that same, like they they'll spend, you know, like a two hour writing session, an hour and 45 of it, getting the spot right to then 15 minutes of before I go. Sure. Do you have any tips on just like, is it just get out there and go somewhere else? Or you said your brainstorming happens. You, you kind of take yourself somewhere else to write. I think the most important thing is like you're saying is to be comfortable. So yeah. For me, it's it's really like you find your spots that yeah. you like. I can't just go to a new spot yeah. if I don't know what the situation is going to be. I don't know how crowded it's going to be or how loud or how much traffic. Or... You're not going to like take a chance on a Starbucks? Yeah, not really. Because okay. right. if I don't know what the seating is, if there's a bathroom nearby, you know, any of those things, if I don't know that, it will be hard for me to get settled and get all my stuff around me like i'll have my laptop i'll have my notebook i'll have my planner whatever yeah. so for me it's um you know there's the one that's very close to us which is my favorite but that's only an outdoor patio they don't yeah. have an inside so that's not an option on days where inside they're raining or it's 105 degrees <laughs> so yeah um, the the nice thing about that place though with only the outdoors is that they don't actually have wi-fi so really? oh, I don't, God, I can't really get distracted by yeah. falling down the wormhole that is the internet. I, I have to just sit there with my physical stuff and my laptop too, obviously, like so it's smart. not completely screenless, but that's helpful for me. And I, I know some of the people who come in and out of there, some of the regulars, yeah. um, and I just kind of know what to expect from the place. And then I have a backup spot along sunset that is just, they have a lot of, it's a very bohemian style like the i love it then they, yeah. and nice looking kind of almost gothy looking actually chairs yeah. and benches and and i know what to expect there too so I, I think for people who need to get out but also need their creature comforts that's a very good yeah. compromise 
That's so funny that you said it doesn't have Wi-Fi, and that's such a good spot about a writing place. This is my version of it. And for those who are listening and can't see me pulling out a giant briefcase from underneath my desk, in this old leather briefcase that I found, I have a what I consider a air-gapped computer in the sense that it is so old that it is good for typing, and that's it. <laughs> like It uh-huh. I love can't it. go on the internet if I wanted it to. So that's my version of if I need to very specifically work on something, I put my phone in the bedroom, I turn this old computer on, and then I have like music downloaded onto it from years ago at this point, and that's it. Uh-huh. So you're just like typing away to my chemical romance. And... Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh it, no, it's probably a lot more ska than it is emo, to be totally frank. It's from that era. Gotcha. But it has real good like keyboard feel. Right. Like I can get really quick on it and I and I memorize it and it feels fast and I have to do it in my comfortable seat and my mm-hmm. desk with my fan <laughs> next to a candle. Yep. And, and there's, there's yeah, something that's, about that's another thing that I think a lot of writers do is the little rituals like candles. Yeah. Right. And yep. I I've got some candles as well. When I'm writing horror, like with my most recent book, here's an Edgar Allan Poe uh like prayer candle. I love that. So he likes to chime in. Do you and, uh, light specific candles based on what you're trying to get done that day? It's really just that one. If I want Edgar <laughs> to chime in, you know, <laughs> and, nope. uh, but otherwise nope. I have just a couple other pretty ones on my desk. I'll just kind of pick one. And I also have these pretty writing gloves that I'll put on sometimes if I need to get in the zone, it's got um, text on it that from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein which is my favorite book oh that's amazing and yeah. and just a reminder that she wrote that at what like 17 and yeah. you're just like keep going keep going keep going <laughs> exactly exactly and she had so much like tragedy in her life too you know with uh you know her mother died very young of course and then she and she and Percy had a child before they were married so that was a very big scandal uh which actually ended up being a stillbirth um i feel like all of that happened to her as a teenager and at at the time she's also writing this book i mean it's really pretty extraordinary 17 back then was like 40 today though totally (laughs) frank like they didn't have tv to distract themselves for long periods of time they only slowly grew up and became adults at 10 (laughs) yeah it was oh uh, boy it's a bizarre, you know, it's it's bizarre to think back to that era and be like, yeah, I mean, if you were made it to 50, that was pretty old. You know, like you had lived a pretty yeah, full life. That was not considered middle-aged. <laughs> Would, so it is not, uh, you're a writer. Uh, is is that what you, when you introduce yourself, is that your go-to? That's is that your go-to profession? Question. Yeah, I, I think it is finally. Does it feel good? Yeah. I'm not, I, I don't want to, I mean, I saw you unbox some books and yeah. we're going to get to that, I promise. But I was so excited for you. <laughs> I worked with a lot of webcomic artists who then got their content seen by like Andrew McNeil's and then they got book deals and then feeling the books arrive and opening and touching it for the first time is such a wildly magical, weird, specific feeling. And I've only had it as like a publicist helper friend (laughs) from those angles. Uh, One day I'll have published my own, but what was like the first feel that you had unboxing your books? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's, it's tempting to say it felt like Christmas, but it really didn't because at Christmas you don't know what you're getting. And it's, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> there's less anticipation because you don't know what's there coming. <laughs> like right. you have the time. You're like, oh, I'm gonna get things in the morning. But you've worked so hard on this book. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it is? Yeah, I'm like dancing uh, around. So I don't it, know why I'm dancing around it. I'm so excited for you to talk about this. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm really excited to talk about it too. It's um, it it is really exciting because it's real and it's you know sitting in my hands now. Ah. It it never even felt real when I had a printed manuscript. Yeah. Right? Even when yeah. I was putting the layout together and and picking the fonts and putting in the artwork, that still felt like homework. Yeah. You know, it didn't feel yeah, like right. the final product um so yeah i mean it's it's very cool to actually see it just physically exist and it's a collection of short stories that i never really um i never thought of myself as a short story writer but a couple of years ago well i guess really it started when covid hit and we had a lot of time on our hands clearly and uh, and also very stressful times so (laughs) we were looking for any distraction again though with the screens like everything going digital and going straight from this screen to that screen every single day yep. was really burning me out and so I started listening to a lot of audiobooks and I I am a horror fan and always yeah. have been and I love I love old literature I mean my mother's an English teacher and so I have a lot of her awesome. books yeah and so I just started listening to books that I had never actually gotten around to reading before like Legend of Sleepy Hollow and uh Scarlet Letter and you know old American Gothic tales like that. So that kind of vibe combined with the sort of isolation and stress of time, I started writing about a young woman who was exiled from her town accused of witchcraft and felt like I could really get into her head a little more than usual with the, just the sense of the sense <laughs> of isolation that we had, you know, not yeah. the persecution. I've never been run out of town accused of witchcraft, actually, when I'm accused of that, or, you know, people love that about me. I was just <laughs> saying, not, uh, <laughs> you were sounding like you wanted to say yet in there. Yeah. Like you wanted to be like, I haven't been run out of a town for witchcraft yet. <laughs> Is that yeah, quite a... the opposite. It's actually uh, people enjoy that about my personality instead of running me out of town. Thankfully, I, I we live in a better era than my main character did. Um, so the yeah. main character, the book is "The Witch and Other Tales of American Gothic," mm-hmm. a collection of short stories by Jessica Hobbs. And main character runs through all the stories. They come in and out. No, that was just how it started. Yeah. Um, so I just wrote. I wrote that one, and I thought well that was kind of neat and uh I was getting just kind of inspired to write about other locations is kind of how that continued on I I also just love New Orleans I mean all all of us oh come on which is love New Orleans such I mean, a good city the last time I was down there uh, a poet who I asked him to write me a poem on a street corner and he told me New Orleans was Vegas for witches mm-hmm. it totally is that it's- is such a good description of it yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, and, so. and that's not the New Orleans that I've enjoyed on multiple occasions. I've gone for Southern Decadence and I've gone for Mardi Gras, but I, I 100% understand that as an aspect. And to be totally frank, I respect it too much to mess with it. <laughs> Just oh, like yes. my fiance's last name is Spellman and they're absolutely witches in the family and they are very much like they tell me all about 
I've been a party to and have seen rituals, and I'm just like, this is incredible. I'm not gonna make fun of it because I think it's real in its own right. <laughs> so, I, absolutely, I absolutely. love the power that that has, and that city is. There's like parts of it that I love, and then I'm just like, and I'm not gonna go to this quarter <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's because not for there. Me. There are forces at play. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that don't want me in there. It's uh, it's really just a, a phenomenal city, and it's uh, it's. I'm so funny sorry. You... Ollie is trying to eat my leftover food, so uh, well, I think we that have our drink. Right, we have our first interruption. Uh, nonsense. <laughs> oh boy! All right, so really quick, just aside, uh, I'm I'm gonna pull from some Stone Barn Brandy Works, straight whiskey, American oat, barrel aged Missouri oak. Uh, that actually you gave me. <laughs> it's incredible. I did. Uh, thank you. Uh, I will watch your pets anytime. Uh, <laughs> it's very. I got that at a distillery in Portland last year. It, it, it has. Year. It's been the party to uh, quite a few episodes of Hot Dead Radio and quite a few podcasts uh, have been caused to this. That mead, though, we drank that in a day, <laughs> so that, that wasn't going to last. Good. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, cheers. Uh, thank you, Oliver, for the interruption. And, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I I can change the rules at any time. I don't know why I do this myself. But I'll be totally honest, this is the only time I drink anymore. Mm. I, I enjoy the fine-tunedness that you can get with uh weed. So mm-hmm. I, I have like a really specific journal of what different strains do, and this gummy hits me like this, and this says this. And if I want to get into a specific mood, I do this plus this. Alcohol, it's a fucking gamble <laughs> every time you pull oh. into it. So I'm just like, all right, this is just going to be for when I record. So it's a little treat and it's to remind me how much I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, sometimes you need that reminder just as much as <laughs> I, I've become a lightweight, though. So I used to be real good at this when I lived in Las Vegas and I started mm-hmm. the show. It was no problem for me to, uh, be interrupted every five minutes with some guests and then they get loose and crazy now it's me two shots in telling stories from my childhood <laughs> so that's <laughs> a back to your book please uh i don't know i think we might need some stories from your childhood <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cue one up if i see an easy end okay <laughs> but so you're in new orleans and you're inspired to work on this further is yeah so um my dad's from louisiana so i've always kind of had a, a connection to the area and always really loved it um and yeah I I just thought after I wrote the first story the witch I thought well what kind of creepy supernatural stuff uh could be going on in New Orleans obviously the possibilities there are endless oh yeah Uh, and I actually came up it's funny that you you said what you did about the city and about just respecting the magic of it because I came up with a teenage girl who uh thinks she understands what she's doing when she messes with some forces but actually really doesn't so uh that that was a fun one to research too because i got to talk to a lot of different women who practice uh a lot of different forms of the craft who are from the south so and the question's kind of like how far do you push it what's your realm who do you communicate talk to i feel like when it comes to witchcraft it's so specific to the person it, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love that. Yes. When you're doing your research, who were you talking to? Were you talking to more spiritual, more fortune teller, more 
just soothsayer style? Yeah, um, it was really more about ritual. I was yeah. talking to, because, you know, the thread that witchcraft sort of always has is power of intention. Mm -hmm. um, and that is kind of what my main character, that's where she goes wrong from the beginning, is that her intention is not good. She's doing it for very selfish reasons. And so, you know, she she's a spoiled brat. She's not a, a particularly <laughs> likable character. Uh, although per perhaps maybe a sympathetic one because she comes from a place of of being wrong, legitimately yeah. wronged. Yeah. She just handles it very poorly. So I I was more um, interested in the various kinds of of ritual, what this or that means, what what you would or would not bring in, like object wise, what you would or would not necessarily bring into a cemetery or bring into a certain space or uh, it, it was more of that kind of thing that I was really researching. And I have to think that it's, I, okay, so we only learn by failing. And sometimes as a teen, what you're really good at is failing real hard and spectacularly. So it's like, I love that it was like, it's so easy to make a, a dislikable character. And then at the end of the story, you're like, oh good, it's over. But, like, I feel like to have one that has that air of, like, they didn't really mean to do this mm -hmm. is, I love that. Right. Do you have, as you're writing this, because this is, like, when I'm writing and I'm listening to music and a song inspires me, it goes on loop until I'm done with the scene. Mm -hmm. So there are full songs that I can't listen to anymore without specifically getting into a mood. And uh, when you're, like, when you're writing and when you're, like, do you have any... So when you're trying to get in her perspective, her mode, do you start to character act it in your life to like get into it? Or do you picture like a specific celebrity and then you write into it? Yeah. Uh, that's also my roundabout way of saying, who would you see in the short story cast? Uh, oh, wow. That's such a great question. And and no, I hadn't actually thought about that. I hadn't thought about, uh, you know, which celebrity I would picture as as a character i i did just some some random internet searching for, yeah. for images for people that i would look at and be like that's that's it that's her yeah. that's francis yep. or, you know that's that's nathaniel like okay. and i would i would honestly just look up for one of my characters who's a psychiatrist uh and yeah i looked up old photos from the university of illinois from like yeah. way back of in like that what? era oh that's amazing yeah, just like what 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 they wear and yeah. and how their hair would look, and I saw this one guy immediately, and I was like, oh my god, that's totally Nathaniel. And so I obviously just picture whoever that like however that medical student was, uh, he's he's who I picture. So um, oh, that's funny. you know, uh, but it's it's interesting though that I I hadn't really thought of it that way. However, I did record all of these as narrative podcasts, and that included hiring voice actors yeah so they, they have voices now and of course <laughs> in my mind's eye oh, when i wow. listen to my own stories i can't not picture the voice actors that who i personally am acquainted with who i know being those characters now oh my God, that's so funny so you're like when when you're hearing the line you're then picturing that human in the scenario that you've written mm -hmm. oh you're so mean to your friends i know i, I i've read some <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, why are you doing that? No, I'm kidding. That that's great. That's a very interesting way of looking at it because when I'm walking down the street, especially like when I lived in Las Vegas, 
I would like assign a backstory to somebody that I see for a split second and I know I'll never see again in my life. And I just assign a backstory to it. And that's me walking down the street. If I need to, you know, walk a mile, that's what I'm doing to pass the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you kind of really, that's, I guess how I use mid journey now, which is an AI tool for image generation. I'll type out what I'm thinking and then I see a visualization of it. Mm -hmm. And then my brain can then keep going because mm -hmm. I have like a base yes. that I can go off of. Totally. I had pictures, um, the ones that I was referring to taped to my wall for months as I was working on these stories. And they'll never know. They'll never know. Uh, so you, before you were a writer or as you're a writer, I feel like, are you been, yeah, everyone's always been a writer or when you're a writer, you're always a writer. But what else have you done in your career outside of working on this book that's kind of led you here? Or is this totally 180 out of the blue? It's interesting because it is definitely not a 180. However, it did take me a really long time to admit that I wanted to be a writer. For whatever dumb reason, you know, whatever limiting beliefs we put on ourselves when oh, we're young, that we yeah. just never set down until one day we're like wait why why yeah right the difference why am i not me, telling people that the difference I, between me know? and them is they're doing it and i'm not that's it right like right exactly. that's that's the, that's the shift so for years you know i've always uh, i work in entertainment as you know and so i've worked for a lot of production a lot of uh festivals i worked for a huge major festival for a long time uh and and, and that was please, all and this is your show about you so feel free to get and divulge as much as you want i know okay, I, um, I can see you doc i can see you editing yourself in real time you know which was wonderful but in terms of the creative work um and it, this is so ridiculous to think of the fact that i did this to myself for so long but i for whatever reason, wasn't comfortable telling people that I wanted to write. And so I told everyone I wanted to produce and I went down that path. And in partially in my defense, uh, you don't make money writing or not much of it a lot yeah. of the time unless you're very lucky. So producing is was a legitimate job that I could have. And I was an associate producer in production before I moved into uh, the nonprofit world at Sundance. And so, um, you know, for years I was like, oh, I'm a producer, I'm a producer. And then you know last year it dawned on me i hate producing <laughs> like, uh, i'm a producer, I'm a producer. The, yeah when someone Why? asks you what you do that it the the intention shifts a little bit after a while it, it did and yeah. i think years i, I just that. i have the skill set i'm yeah. a good producer i no. like i'm very good at it i have an incredible memory i i just I don't let things fall through the cracks I stay on top of stuff all the time and I and it makes me a good producer and I always thought for years that because I had that skill set I had to use it and I had to use it yeah. more specifically for somebody else's creative vision right and it's, I just the... thought that was the role that I was supposed to fill and honestly it was really um kind of funny I still didn't even give myself permission to be a writer until somebody else did I met a woman, a writer, director, actress, who was looking for help putting together a new feature. And I went to meet her and to 
pitch myself as a producer. And she just read my resume. She hadn't read any writing samples. I, yeah. I hadn't seen any. This was a little while ago now. This was maybe like eight years ago. And she just looked at my resume and she said, you seem like you'd be a good writer. Will you do a rewrite pass on our script? And I was like, you're like I have those skills. I won. <laughs> like, somebody's asking me to I oh my do god that. okay and so i did i did a, a rewrite on the script and i just really loved it and then finally i slowly started more and more moving into i think i could be a writer and every script i wrote was a little bit better than the one before and then that led to me taking classes and building up more confidence and joining better writers groups and all of that and then once i finally got to the point where i could admit that i didn't want to be a producer i fully shifted into telling people yeah i'm a writer a writer who also has produced yes right? there you go especially you know living on the west coast and, and in the la area uh, i have to say i have to imagine uh having both on your kind of business card is helpful uh definitely and yeah. i still do produce um i really yeah, do yeah. and I, i'm still good at it i'm producing this podcast series obviously and i've done other things as well and i and i will to clarify I will real, real quick it, it has to be yes. just sorry, sorry just about it. you're producing your own podcast series uh, for a second i was like wait you're producing this show hell yeah i've been waiting for that <laughs> sorry, sorry 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 uh i didn't mean to cut you off yes. but i do want to uh, uh, producing too. these stories this narrative series uh and and so i i can and i will and i i will love it if it's the right project but yeah. i have decided it's not the career path that i am very uh you know, actively pursuing because other people actually thrive on that. And why yeah. am I competing with them for that I work? I love that. I, I so my very best friend uh, who is in the entertainment industry with me, uh, she is a longtime actor on stage, screen, movies, all that stuff, and has just now starting to produce a lot and is killing it. And it's so cool watching and being in stuff with her where like she would be on set and she would be definitely doing like the 80s job at points. And you're just like, hey, you know, you're supposed to just, no, 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 no. But I want to make sure that I, and she would genuinely bring 150% to the stuff. And then the shift in her head was like, oh, I keep doing that, but I'm also really good at this. So watching people shift that and like, it's so cool. So it's I've really always known you as a writer. rewarding things in life. Honestly, seeing you start to experience it yourself, but then you also see yeah. other people around you and people you care about, like your friends, your family, yeah. find something that they find their way to whatever it is that really makes them light up and yeah. you again, see them get to do it and see opportunities open for them. I mean, that's really one of the best, one of the best things about being alive. Oh my God. I can't believe that some people forget to do that. It sounds... Yeah so silly said out loud but i know how hard it is to break yourself out of the i need to be here and i should be doing this to you know do what you want to do <laughs> right right like it's yeah. always much easier said than dead but it's it's oh it feels incredible on the other side it does it's it's incredibly and it's very worth the uh it's very worth the journey yeah so now what would you say as uh as we kind of wrap up here what would you say to the person who's on the other side of this journey because we were kind of at the beginning talking about how uh, you were for a while like looking at the writer as a 
role job possibility that you couldn't get to because it's on the other side of and this is me projecting myself a little bit (laughs) where you're not a writer yet because you haven't written but like no even the practice of and getting stuff and you're still a writer in that time maybe it's not your profession but you're still all right what would you tell someone who needs to like just freaking jump and Hmm. get into it like i i know that's not what's happened to you but it's it's so cool from my perspective like having watched just like i'm gonna write a book and then watching it delivery and i was like oh that was amazing (laughs) um yeah it it's hard because it's scary and it's uh it's an incredibly vulnerable thing it's one of the more vulnerable things that you can possibly do you you can't hide behind somebody else's vision it's purely your own and that's um that requires a lot of vulnerability and a lot of courage and it's really okay to be scared anyone if you look at other writers and think they aren't scared or they weren't at a certain point in their career that you're making that up it's not true it's never been true uh it's it's okay let yourself off the hook for that because there's an enormous amount of imposter syndrome there as well that well they they figured it out but i can't and eventually if i put myself out there they'll just know i'm a fraud and that's like and that's a very powerful story that we tell ourselves but it's it's just not the truth and it's really like it's really okay to acknowledge that you have that and to push through it anyway and it 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 takes a while that's the other thing that's hard for people that was kind of hard for me is like I'm not getting any better for a while I felt very stuck like I wasn't getting better and I had to make some changes in order to push through those blocks like uh, a big one was was leveling up in my writers group I joined this writers group full of really smart talented people and it did overwhelm me a little bit at first I was just like oh no do I belong here but it was very quick that I was like wait a minute the reason I'm here is because I want to learn from these people like they're supposed to be better than me they're supposed to be better than me (laughs) (laughs) that's such oh that's so hard to put yourself in that room even like that's it it can be crazy but it's totally, it's like we're saying about this whole thing, it's totally worth it. I mean, if you can just kind of get out, it's kind of like starting anything new. It's like being a freshman in college. Oh my like, God. It, it's awful at first. It's so scary. Enjoy but the try. naivete. Like I, I enjoy the naivete of being a freshman, right? Make all the mistakes. <laughs> keep keep going. But yeah, but you, you will adjust. You will learn your way around. Pretty soon you'll be the big man on campus and you will have your have it figured out. Obviously then something will come along to knock you down again. And that's oh, just course. life. Um, and you got to just keep going. But, um, you know, when you feel like you're plateauing, take, take some steps to level up, take classes, make it your lifestyle, make it something that you do regularly, even if it's not a story or fiction, if it's just journaling, if it's just free writing, that total, that's writing. That's yeah. absolutely writing. Anything you write counts as writing. It does not matter if it's publishable it doesn't matter if anyone is ever going to read it or if anyone's ever going to like it yeah any any writing is writing i think i uh, my viewers are reading this to the wrong person but it was like take it with td on a post it was like even if you open your computer and stare at a blank screen for eight hours just thinking about ideas it's still writing yeah i saw that post as well it. It was, yeah. i'm just like oh god that feels so good but i can't use that as an excuse yeah. all right <laughs> So as a way to cap myself, because if I don't, I will talk forever. Zoom is about to end and it ends abruptly. So before it does, where can people find you and follow you? 
Ah, uh, good question. My website is jessicahobbswrites.com and I am also on Instagram as jessie.hobbs and on TikTok, I believe I'm Jesse Hobbs uh, 13, I think. I don't actually remember, but I'm around. <laughs> Text me your usernames and I'll put them in the actual feed show or the show, feed of the show so they can find you that All right, easy. perfect. All right, rock. Uh, we need to come back and have uh, maybe a dramatic reading with some voiceover actors that are also friends of the show. Uh, oh, amazing. That would be kind of fun. And then we can put it on both of our shows. That would be great. I would okay. love Josh is new then around. around. Josh is Dean's French onion dip. Dean's French onion dip. Dean's French onion dip. Dean's French onion dip. Can I hear that real quick?